Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, final day of the regular season, October 1st. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you can leave me a review on iTunes, much appreciated. Spread the word. If you're a Mets fan, I think this is a pretty cool podcast. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed Season 2. This is basically the second, and, and obviously there's some more to come with the search or the rumored search. Nothing's official of the next Mets manager, and I'm sure there'll be some news. And this last week of the uh, regular season uh, generated a little bit of buzz, some buzz we haven't had for a while. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in here. And, um, you know, like uh, like always, trying to get you the best and most diverse group of guests that uh, any podcast of uh, Mets-related content can can provide. And joining me in just a few minutes is Dave Lennon of Newsday. Dave has been kind enough to call in while he's covering the Yankees, but I know he's been writing a ton about the Mets. If you haven't checked him out, go to Newsday.com. If you want to pick up the Newsday actual paper, I'm sure that you can get it there. And at DP Lennon on Twitter. So, Dave Lennon, uh, first time, baseball columnist for Newsday. First time I think we've had Dave on this show. 
Last time I talked to Dave was probably during my uh, ESPN radio days, uh, which has now been four years since that uh, project went belly up. Seems only like yesterday. Well, anyway, you guys know what I'm going to be looking to talk about here, and it's no secret. You all probably have read the Mark Currig article that came out a couple of days ago about Terry Collins. And if you haven't, look, let's summarize. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, at any point in the last two years, almost everything that has come out with a very well-sourced article by Kerrig is uh, are things that I actually alluded to. And it's not because I knew anybody in the front office. I don't talk to anybody in the front office. I have at times been friendly with those around the team and who played for the team. And I'm kind of at this point providing commentary, no different than a political pundit, based on what I read, who I talk to. I'm not trying to cover the team. I'm not trying to be a beat writer. I'm not trying to break news. I'm not going to do that. It's not what I'm looking to do here. I'm trying to give you a perspective of somebody who has at least dabbled his toe in the media side of things, has a passion for the sport and for the team, and trying to marry those two into some good media content, a good podcast. That's all I'm trying to do. And everybody's always said, I hate Terry Collins. I have a vendetta against him. I'm obsessed with him because I knew how bad he was for this team, and I knew how important this window of opportunity was. If you ask me to summarize the points of the article, here it goes as follows, and I'll, I'll summarize them. And I'm not going to make this too long because we've talked about this a ton. Number one, I'm not surprised that Fred Wilpon was buddy-buddy with, with Collins, and that really protected him because we've heard that. We've heard all sorts of things like because of the relationship with Sandy Koufax. Uh, I believe that uh, as much as Collins took a hit in this piece, I think Dan Worthen should be right next to him because a lot of the things about abusive pitchers, although it's the manager's job to manage the bullpen, I mean, the pitching coach is there and could have aided. I, I wonder how much Dan Worthen provided counsel to Terry Collins about his abuse of the pitchers. Uh, as far as his lack of communication or uh, the clubhouse going awry, I think you saw a team for the better part of two seasons, especially when this – I mean, we've been doing this podcast for two seasons. I've seen a team that's uh, been complacent, lacks consistent fire, turns it on and off, and I think the manager tolerated that. And I think he leaned on veterans to do his job for him, and he went out there and kind of oversaw things and managed the media and, and things of that nature. And remember something. We'll ask Dave Lennon this question. like Why, why did it take so long? Why, why is it? And this is my observation again. If you know how to manage the media in this town, and it's come down to the way you manage the media is almost helping them do their job, making their job easy, you're going to get a lot of uh, – cut a lot of slack. You've seen it recently with Carmelo Anthony. All of a sudden, a guy that was criticized maybe upon coming into New York, he didn't really change. He actually was worse. He tried to hold the organization hostage. He tried to sabotage – and he did sabotage a regime. And nobody really cared. They took his side because Carmelo provided them content. He provided them the ability to do their job and break some stories. And you saw that. Uh, for a long time, Joe Torre got a pass. And then on the way out, you know, he got hammered just like this. Then it was Clueless Joe again. So if you know how to manage the media, it is so important. And I always say, and I'm going to say it again in case you're listening to this podcast for the first time. You've got to manage the media, you've got to manage the bullpen, and you've got to manage the clubhouse as a big league manager. This is not a huge X's and O's job, baseball. 
I know you have all the different analytics and the positioning of defense and all the data that's in front of you. I really think at the end of the day, it's lefty-righty matchups. It's getting a feel of who's hot, knowing your personalities. Those are the things you can quantify with the stats. Those are process things that only a manager who's behind that clubhouse door that's living and breathing with these 25 guys will know. Having a feel for this roster, that's the thing that I think Collins didn't have. I think he managed the media exceptionally well. You know, with this and Dave Lennon, who's going to be on in a couple of minutes, you know, even use the right word, grandfatherly. He was a grandfatherly figure. And you like them. And you don't want to be abrasive with your grandpa. You want to, like, enjoy your time with him. The Mets didn't need a grandpa the last two years. They needed to be pushed to the next level. And really the best time to part ways was after 2015. Politically, it would have been bad. And there was no way Fred Wilpon was going to allow that. But that would have been the best time to bring in the next wave, the next manager, to try to kick this team to the next level. Because you saw it in the World Series. The guy on a big stage, Terry Collins, botched it. He botched game four when he could have brought his closer in for two innings and instead fooled around with Tyler Clippard, and he was indecisive in game five. And I don't criticize him for the decision in game five. What I criticize him for is how he went about making that decision, which is indecisive. And if you really want to go back to 2015 and talk about another critical error that could have cost them in the postseason, it was the last week of the regular season when they were fighting for home field against the Dodgers when he's messing around in Philadelphia with Bobby Parnell, who proved he was done probably multiple times that summer, put him in a big game in Philadelphia, blew a game, and the Mets wound up not having home field against the Dodgers. And then they had to win a very difficult, although character-building game, five in L.A., which may have helped them in the next round against the Cubs because they took the momentum from that game and really smothered the Cubs, a team that... um, thought that there was their destiny to win the World Series, although they did it the year later. So, you know, everything you, you read in that article, I'm not surprised to hear. Uh, the stubbornness, the, the mishandling of players, the, I mean, how many relievers' careers have been put in jeopardy because of overuse. And you've seen a little bit with Paul Seawald. People have started to talk about it. He doesn't care. He doesn't get it. He's not, I think, malicious. I just don't think he's that bright. I think Terry was the right guy for 2010, 2011, 2012, which, by the way, a couple of those teams in 2011, 2012 had some good halves, and if they were pushed a little bit and invested a little bit, and that's on ownership, that's not on Terry, maybe they could have made things interesting, but they weren't about winning at that point. They weren't about investing. They didn't have the money. They were just coming out of the made-up thing, and they didn't feel investing for the sake of investing, and those teams was worth it. It would have been interesting if they did because there was still something there. You had the Beltrons, and... Wright was still, at that time, the thought was in his prime. You had Reyes before he went into free agency. So you had something there. You had Santana. Um, But the front office uh, was not given the budget because of the bad contracts to do that. And I I really feel that the team on the field wasn't pushed by Collins. I think everything you see from day one was a problem. And throughout the years leading up to 2015, when these games didn't matter, there were so many signs. This story could have been written so long ago. And to me, that's ultimately the crime that's happened here. This story, well-sourced story by Mark Carrig, could have been written because I gotta say, if they wanted him out of here, if Jeff Wilpon wanted him out of here, if any of these guys in the front office wanted him out of here, all they had to do was leak this story. And all the media had to do was probably look for it. You know, sometimes it's more about looking for things that are under a rock. The rock's not gonna pop up for you. Sometimes you gotta lift the rock a little bit. But it was a lot easier to, prepare, to uh, 
propel the narrative of they play hard for Terry and they love Terry. You know what? Not everybody loves Terry as much as you think. And sometimes if a team loves its manager and its pitching coach as much as you hear the players love these two guys, it's like the students who like the teacher way too much because he doesn't give them homework and they're comfortable with them. Right now, this is not about the players being comfortable. I'll leave everybody with this before I get to Dave Lennon. This is not about comfort for any of these 25 players or the 40 players on the roster. It's about them coming back next year and realizing that all of them have something to prove. All of them have to earn a spot. Some have more spots locked in than others, but they have to earn a spot, and nobody should be impressed with themselves because they are a colossal disappointment, and they've blown a golden window of opportunity, and nobody's going to care about them in spring training. There's no more photos of them on Sports Illustrated and no more commercials with the, the four starters at the dinner table. Everyone thinks that they're has-beens and are never going to will-bees. And guess what? Now they have to prove that. 2015 and that World Series is as relevant as 2006, is as relevant as 2000, relevant as 1988, relevant as 1986, relevant as 1973, Relevant is 1969. Not relevant at all. You might as well make correlations between those other seasons because nobody cares about 2015. There is no more carpet ride from 2015. There's no more momentum from 2015, and nobody wants to talk about it. The next time they talk about it is when the Mets are bad and there's nothing else to talk about, and maybe something nostalgic happens where you go, hey, let's look back at that. I don't even want SNY to replay those clinching games because it's almost like, you know what, that's the party that happened and was fun and we're reliving it and there's plenty more parties that could have happened, but for whatever reason, they didn't. And we know the reason. The Mets just did not capitalize and they weren't pushed by their manager. And yes, there were injuries. And I can't blame him on all that. That's a whole separate issue. And it looks like, if you want to talk about you know winning half the battle, it looks like the Mets uh, or the front office won uh, with the Collins-Worthen regime going bye-bye, something that Fred Wilpon fought dearly for. But Fred Wilpon's buddy, or maybe even Jeff's buddy, uh, Mike Barwis, who runs the strength and conditioning, now that's something that uh, we're going to be saddled with, or the team is going to be saddled with, and it's something to look uh, towards, because clearly that has as much to do with some of the, in, in our opinion here, and as well as the opinion of many others, to the Mets' uh, issues over the last couple of seasons as anything that, Collins and Worthen did. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, Dave Lennon on Newsday. Let's hear what he has to say about Terry Collins. Uh, you know, and he wrote a couple of pieces earlier this week about the manager or soon to be former manager of the Mets. We'll be back with Dave Lennon of Newsday right after this. Felt that this was uh, uh, very unfortunate for the timing and for the content. Um, uh, to the extent that the information came from players. I uh, was extraordinarily disappointed in uh, um, their willingness to talk without attribution. And to the extent that information purportedly came from uh, anywhere in the front office, uh, I was exceptionally disappointed. And uh, were I to know who that person was, that person would be terminated uh, immediately. Um, I think that this uh, story in the aftermath uh, overshadows uh, to this point seven years of uh, uh, outstanding service and um, 
that in turn, you know, those stories have been a disservice uh, to Terry. You know, you make decisions and that you think are in best interest. There's certainly a lot of factors involved. Um, we don't send anybody out to hurt anybody. We never have, never will. Um, you know, there's the players, the training staff, the coaches all have inputs, and uh, you make the best decision you think that'll make help you win. I mean, familiar in particular. Seriously, yeah. seriously. With the WBC and all the other factors, I'm the factor. Okay, I'll take it. I'm the manager. We're back and uh, joining us, uh, Newsday Baseball columnist Dave Lennon at DP Lennon on uh, Twitter. Dave, another baseball season in the can, final day of the season. Uh, how many does this make for you now? Uh, my first full season covering uh, Major League Baseball is with the Yankees in 1995. So I guess that's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, never, I've been, doing it it, never... been doing it for a while. Yeah, it never, it never uh, ceases to be interesting. And, um, you know, we'll start over. I know you're at Yankee Stadium, but, you know, a lot of the news before the playoffs start uh, are with the Mets and Terry Collins. And you wrote a couple interesting columns. You know, obviously, uh, from a human perspective, Terry Collins deserved better. But I don't think you're surprised. I mean, even Joe Torre, who accomplished far more than Terry Collins, got kicked on the way out. It seems like, whether it be New York or Boston or L.A., in the big cities, I guess this is something that kind of is just part of uh, the job, I guess I would say. Well, I mean, eventually the end comes for everyone, no matter how successful you are as a manager. You know, everybody, there comes a time for a new voice or a new way of doing things. Or the roster turns over. Or there's a change in the front office. So, like you mentioned with Tory, I mean, you couldn't really have a more successful run than he did uh, in the Bronx. And, you know, things got a little chilly on the on the way out uh, when he left as well. And in Collins's case, you know, it could, things have been handled better at the, at the end of his tenure there. I mean, he was there for seven years. He has a World Series appearance under his belt, back-to-back playoff appearances, you know, kind of ushered the Mets through a, a big transition time in the franchise. Yeah, I think it could have been handled much better, you know, by the, by the front office and ownership and, I think if they wanted to address what they were going to do with Terry earlier, it's something they definitely could have done and probably could have avoided a lot of, uh, a lot of drama and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, bad optics as you might want to call it. But I I think that they could have handled it much better for sure. You described Terry very well in one of your pieces as grandfatherly. And I mean, you, you, you bring up a great point. Look, Terry was supposed to be a transitional guy. Clearly Fred Wilpon, took a liking to him, and I have a feeling that he never would have made 2015 without Fred Wilpon. And then he Mm -hmm. made 2015 in the World Series. And almost in a way, I mean, look, Terry was bad at bullpen management. He probably grandfatherly means he was a little bit lax with with these guys instead of pushing them. The last couple of years, even though they made the playoffs last year, let's face it, I think you could say they underachieved even with the injuries. The criticisms, although maybe poorly timed, and maybe the way they came out, uh, maybe not the right way, but I don't think anything they said about Terry isn't necessarily true. Uh, you've covered him for all this time, so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when Terry got the job in 2010, I mean, I, I certainly didn't envision him as a guy that was going to be here for seven years. I mean, I thought that he was going to be here maybe for two or three, you know, until they were able to kind of straighten things out, become competitive again, and, and then maybe find a younger guy um, to fill that role. 
I mean, that, that's certainly the way I saw that thing uh, shaping out. But, you know, Terry was a guy that has major league experience. He had majored in two other places, obviously, with the Angels uh, and the Astros. So this wasn't a, a first-time manager getting his feet wet. I mean, he knew how things are supposed to work. His other stays didn't finish so hot. He kind of had clubhouse mutinies in both places. Um but, you know, I know people want to bring up the bullpen management and stuff a lot and those sort of things. I mean, every manager, you know, gets that kind of heat from whether it's the media or whether it's the fans. I mean, Joe Girardi, who manages the bullpen as well as anybody I've ever seen, uh, gets kicked from time to time for why to do this or why to do that. So, you know, yeah, I mean, Collins doesn't really get a lot of high points for his in-game strategy and maybe he's not the best in-game tactician. I think this just was the case where, you know, the Mets became a changing team. Um, he lost a lot of the guys that, that he had kind of worked to win over in the clubhouse, uh, and it just became time. I mean, the front office had different ideas what they want to do with the manager's position, uh, and Terry doesn't really fit that profile. I mean, what they wanted Terry to do was to be a good out-front media guy, which he was. What he, what he, was he good with the young players when he started out? Yes, he was. Was he able to handle the veterans that were last, left on the roster? Yes, he was able to do that too. But, you know, like I've mentioned before in print, that eventually it becomes time that the front office wants a, wants a different direction. And, and that's really, you know, for as good as Terry was in some areas, in other areas he was lacking. And, and, and that's what's kind of leading to his exit now. And look, he, good, better, and different, uh, did have some good moments here. There are going to be other managerial positions open uh, I don't know if the New York Mets resume changes the fact that he's 68. He wants to be in baseball a couple more years. He would be a short-term guy. Could you see him get another job? I think it's going to be tough, but can you see him, uh, you know, for a team that may be looking to transition again or maybe a team that's on the cusp, maybe they feel, well, Terry could could get them to the next level. Another manager's job in the major leagues? Yeah, yeah another manager's job in the big leagues. No, sure. no, no. I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, it's not a knock against Terry. He's just that teams are looking for different guys now. I mean, if you look in these spots, you know, the manager jobs are getting younger. The GM jobs are getting younger. You know, this isn't a, a, a game for 68-year-old managers anymore. It's just not. I mean, that, that's just the direction that the sport is going. You know, they want guys with a more analytical bent. That's just not the Mets. That's every organization across the board, I think. So I, I think when you're talking about managers that have been around for a while uh, and are getting up there in age, I just don't see it happening. There's a lot of younger guys now that are pushing to get jobs, um, and I think that's the way a lot of teams are going to go. They want their managers to be extensions of the front office. Um, and, you know, can Terry have a different job in baseball? Certainly. I think that's definitely a possibility, but I, I, I just don't see it. I just consider it very unlikely that he would wind up getting another manager's job. Dave Lennon of Newsday is joining us. Uh, you surprised at all that it took so long? If there was so much discontent in the front office with Terry, and even with younger players, and I know that, like you said, there was veterans that were kind of maybe managing the clubhouse. This is stuff that's not the last couple of months. This is stuff that, uh, in a well-sourced article by your paper, Mark Carrig, uh, goes back two, three, four years. I'm a little surprised that nothing came out with the media crush we have in this market that nothing came out at any point. Maybe winning makes that masks that, but I guess it. I guess the timing was odd, and that it never was even leaked, even a little bit. Terry really was treated well 
I think, for the most part, other than this one article in seven years, which is rare, Dave. You've seen a lot in this town. Very rare that someone skates like that until the end. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, a part of it is the fact that Terry was so good with the media, uh, and he had really cultivated a, a, a good relationship with the media, and that helped. I mean, I, I've said quite often, just in talking with some of my colleagues, I mean, if he wasn't as good with the media uh, and had a bad relationship with them, that could have led to his dismissal earlier. Uh, he could have been run out of here and, and not as given as much of a benefit of the doubt. I certainly think that's part of it. Uh, I also think, like you mentioned, I mean, he went to the World Series in 2015. They made the playoffs in 2016. So he's certainly not going to be let go after either one of those situations. This year, I think what they should have done uh, with the injuries after the trades, with the team going south in a hurry, I think they should have sat Terry down uh, much earlier, whether it was mid-August, whether it was late August, whether it was early September, and said to him, listen, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, just to let you know, that's how it's going to be at the end of the season. Um, you know, we can announce that now. We can, uh, you know, say that you want to stay on to the end of the year uh, or not. Um, but I think, you know, just letting it dangle like this and just having to be, uh, subject, uh, to it is, um, you know, just not a, uh, just not good. Just, it just wasn't handled very well at all. You have heard some names early, Kevin Long, Alex Cora, Ventura. I mean, there's going to be so many candidates and it sounds like this is going to be a very, once again, with Sandy Alderson methodical process that'll probably take until after the World Series, early November. Uh, you being someone that covers the league, anybody that stand out to you that if you were in the position of the Mets that you would consider that you're, you've been impressed with or have heard very good things about in terms of maybe another manager? Yeah, I think the uh, next manager should be Alex Cora. I mean, with, without a doubt, to me, that's hands, hands down the, the guy that should be the next manager of the team. Uh, I've covered him as a player with the Mets. I know he's a very intelligent baseball person. He's currently the bench coach for the Houston Astros, a team that's very adept uh, in analytical um, play. Uh, also a very winning organization, as we well know, based on the success this year. Uh, I think it'd be exceptional in helping with the development of Ahmed Rosario, who certainly needs direction as a very talented player, but also very young and inexperienced. Uh, checks a lot of boxes for me. I mean, I think he is a guy that can be good with the media. I also think he has an edge to him. And I, I think if things got out of line, uh, in the clubhouse or with other players, I think he wouldn't uh, let it slide. So to me, that's the guy that I see far and away that, that should be a, a very at the top of the list. Now the Mets are going to have competition. The Tigers need a manager. The Phillies need a manager. Those are both excellent jobs. And it'll be determined if the Mets can either be a good enough situation, you know, pay what it takes to, to get a guy in demand. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. One last thing about the Mets here. Um, six weeks of pretty much September baseball for the Mets since you know early August. Smith, Rosario, we've seen Ploiecki, uh, Nimmo. Uh, has anybody, whether it be the young relievers, have you been impressed with any of these young kids? Do you think there's solutions here? Do you feel that there's something to work with for the next manager where with the right offseason moves, with reasonable spending, the Mets could be at least in the conversation for a playoff spot in 2018? Uh, I think they can be in the conversation. Uh, you know, they're certainly past the days of being a World Series favorite or a division-winning favorite uh, for right now. Um, 
but yeah, I like Dom Smith. I think I think he's a good player. I think he can be a, a solution at first base. I like Rosario, obviously. Uh, he's an excellent player. To be honest, I just haven't seen enough uh, of the new relievers they've got to know if those guys can be a long-term solution. Obviously, Ramos and Familia, and they can pick up the option on Blevins. So their bullpen has some pieces there that can be good. Now, behind the plate, you know, Ploiecki, I, I don't know how you make these kind of judgments in September. We've been told... You know, numerous times you can't pay attention to what happens in April or September, uh, that it really counts over the long haul. Uh, they haven't been big on Ploiecki uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, and as far as development as a hitter, uh, Darno always seems to turn it on at the end of the year after people have given up on him. So I think they will bring those guys back at catcher. You know, let's see if they can produce at the beginning of the season and not just the end, you know, when the season's over. Last thing before we let you run, uh, the baseball playoffs will start in a couple of days. Yankees in Minnesota, Yankees back in the postseason, a different type of Yankees team, a young team, a team that obviously doesn't have a uh, resume like the prior group. Uh, A lot of excitement, some comparisons to when the Mets were uh, making their rise in the 80s uh, out there in the media. Uh, What are you looking for? Not just the Yankees. uh, Obviously, there's the Indians, there's the Astros. There's a lot of storylines. And you'll be covering all of them, I think. Uh, what are some of the storylines you'll be looking at over the next couple of weeks as we head into the postseason? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, you know, it's a great playoff field for sure. I mean, you have some really good teams. You have some great matchups. I mean, the Cubs trying to repeat after breaking their, you know, curse from, from last year. You have the Astros, an incredibly talented team. Um, you know, the Nats have their own playoff uh, curses they have to kind of shake off. They have never advanced past. Uh, the first round before, you know, you mentioned the Yankees and the similarities to the eighties Mets. Um, I don't know if I would say that exactly, but what you're seeing now is a team that's poised to not only win with their younger players, but also ready to kind of make a splash with some free agents, uh, starting with this off season and potentially the next as well. So I think you're seeing the Yankees on the cusp of returning to not being the eighties Mets, but returning to be the Yankees, you know, a team that is used to going to the playoffs every year that's used to competing for a World Series title every year, and they're ready to do that as a, in a sustained fashion, like not one and done or make a move in the next two years. We're talking building a team that's going to be competitive and playoff-worthy for the next decade again. That's what the Yankees are shooting for, and, and I think that's the kind of team they're establishing you know, with a very deep farm system uh, and with some, with some veterans on this team that, that have also provided some good leadership. Hey, listen – you got a bunch of three, three-and-a-half-hour games. Maybe there'll be four hours in the playoffs. I know everybody complains about September baseball. I'm assuming if we have some drama, no one's going to care if it's a three-hour, 45-minute game. Now, you covering it is going to care because you're not going to get home until the wee hours of the morning. But uh, I think we always make a big deal about how bad baseball is in September. But it just leads to a lot of uh, fun games, at least for the teams that are in it in October. I, I would wonder if you'd agree with that. Well, I mean, nobody's complaining about long playoff games. I mean, those are the playoffs. I mean, I think when people talk about the length of games, that's talking about over the course of a six-month season, 162 of them. I mean, those are those are situations that need to be remedied. Uh, people are fine if it's going to be playoff baseball where the games carry that extra weight. Uh, so I, I don't think you would really find the same complaint. I think comparing the length during the regular season of the playoffs is kind of a different a different animal altogether. And, you know, it's covering baseball in New York and used to all your teams playing in prime time. It's just, that just goes with it, you know, getting back in the, 
getting back in the middle of the night and catching 6 a.m. flights the next day is part of the drill. That's just kind of kind of October baseball. Well, listen, if you could get some sleep in the next couple of days, get it. Appreciate you being generous at your time on the weekend, and uh, thank you again, Dave. Appreciate it. Any Anytime, Mike. My pleasure. Dave Lennon of Newsday, at DP Lennon on uh, Twitter. And um, good stuff. Now listen, guys, you heard me in the open. If the media likes you in this town, you could get away with a lot of stuff. And um, you could argue with it, and sometimes it drives me crazy. But if your job is to cover somebody and get quotes and execute your job in a very competitive industry, and I'm not excusing them, um, jobs are very scarce, very precious in media right now. And if you have one of the jobs, like at a Newsday or a New York Post, New York Daily News, you're going to be careful to protect that. And sometimes protecting your subject goes hand in hand with that. And that's why it's really important when you guys, and I'm not trying to lecture here, but when you guys are reading this stuff, you got to watch, you got to observe, you got to think, you got to read behind everything. And everything, like I said in the open, that you read about Terry Collins and Mark Kerrig's article. You could have saw it. There was obvious signs. You, know, you, you didn't see everything, but you really had a gut and a feeling, and uh, it all came out. And I, I knew eventually this stuff would come out. I'm disappointed it came out on his last days as a Mets manager when really it doesn't matter anymore if it came out in 2013 or 2014 when it could have had an impact. Uh, I think you might have saw a different result in 2015, and I don't think a worse result. I think you would have saw a different Mets team. And some real interesting things he had to say about Alex Cora. That that that's some that certainly if that you know and Dave covers baseball, that's something that to me, uh, when you talk about behaviors, who do I want as a manager? If they're smart, they're young, and they're and they hold players accountable, and they don't take any nonsense. And you don't want to be uh, too heart heavy-handed. You got to be you know, balanced, but you can't let these guys, you cannot let the inmates run the asylum. They have to be accountable. They have to be pushed. Everybody needs to be pushed out of their comfort zone when you're in a position like the Mets are in. And uh, I think they definitely could get back. I definitely think that they can um, be a playoff team. I think as much as they're not going to be looked at favorably unless something really splashy happens in the offseason, who cares what the media says? You know, predictions and the offseason and winning the offseason. Ask the San Diego Padres a couple of years ago how that went. Ask the Florida Marlins how that went when they won the offseason a few years back. Winning the offseason isn't what we're about anymore here. Uh, you want to have a solid offseason, and you want to be able to win when it counts and come prepared from day one to compete and compete with a team in Washington that if Dusty Baker comes back, it's not just going to sit back and rest on their laurels. They've shown with Dusty that um, – you know, they're here to take it. They, you know, that's what they did. The Washington Nationals were in the same position, like I said in the open. They are in the same position after the Mets won the division in 2015. And they came back with a vengeance with relatively the same group. Yeah, they got Murphy. Yeah, they made some train changes around. But they came back uh, with a new manager and a new attitude. And it's been nothing but positives for them. And now let's see what happens as they head into the postseason. So... Good stuff from Dave Lennon. I'm glad you guys had a chance to uh, tune in today. Of course, now we're heading into the off season, and I again, I don't know what to expect. We'll see. I'm sure Sandy Alderson will have some press conference post. Um, somehow, I mean, he did speak to the media yesterday. I don't know when the next time he's going to speak. It's very strange how Sandy works. 
the interviews for the managers will start, I'm sure. We'll hear a lot of stuff over the course of the next few weeks, but I don't expect any kind of resolution until probably the end of the World Series or early November. And um, we'll keep a pulse on things, but other than weekly shows, I'm going to basically say to you guys, until the season's over and we have hot stove and we have news and we have discussion and things like that, I don't know when the next show is going to be. So let's just uh, sit tight. If you have me on your RSS feed or your iTunes feed, just keep updating it. Make sure it's updated so you get something. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com, and you can go to the Talking Mets, or you can just follow along to see when the next podcast is. But really now it's about the news and what's newsworthy and having some quality content. I just don't want to have a show to have a show because I'm not going to rehash the same thing every week. You guys don't want to hear that. Uh, you, you know, The point of this, this podcast is to make it fresh and new and interesting and kind of get you away from what becomes the monotony of all the um, media options that you have out there. So interesting stuff by Dave Lennon. want to thank Dave Lennon, of course, of Newsday for joining us today. Check him out on Twitter at DP Lennon. Check him out at Newsday.com. Uh, also, I want to thank the good guys at MetsmerizedOnline.com. As always, another fine regular season. Appreciate their support and sponsoring this podcast. Of course, you can check me out at Mike Silva Media and on iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I don't have to name all of them. I've been doing that all year. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Regular season over. Time for the offseason for the Mets anyway. Enjoy the postseason, and you and I will speak very soon. Take care. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.